Hi, welcome to the Bridge Podcasts. We hope you enjoy the following message. For more information on all that's happening at the Bridge Church, please visit www.bridge-church.com. And so my message today is called When the Many Become One. But the story I'm going to relate to you today is about Babel. And it's, so it's, the title is Babel, God Not Welcome Here. God's not welcome here. And um, I've, I, the last couple of days, it's been weighing on my heart to share, share on it. Um, and it is kind of similar, but it has a twist. Okay? You know, when we are building, when we are developing something, when we become involved in something that even though it may seem good, and how many of us have gone into things that seemed great at the time, that seemed good, and even if it may have been birthed with good motives, but somewhere along the line, later on, God isn't made welcome there, okay? God's presence has been uninvited, and God has been excluded God has been rejected out of the situation. And I, I kind of had this dilemma many times, especially in my, in my teens, my 20s. And, and it can still come upon us when we're in certain situations. We get to a place where we say, God, will you please leave the room now? I'm just about to, I'm just about to carry on with what I want to do. So it's like, you know, please, please leave for a moment, you know. Um, and so... There are times when God's presence is not welcome. It's not wanted for lots of different reasons. And when this happens, God can and he will intervene to bring a particular force to bear of his choosing, all right? Because it might not be the same thing every time. And he'll bring a force to bear upon the situation so that it can't thrive or so that it can't even survive. And I believe that everyone in this place, everyone listening today, a question we should ask ourselves regularly is this. Have we built or are we building or might we create or build something or anything that God is not welcome to? And I'm talking about anything now. I'm talking about a church, talking about a career, talking about a lifestyle. How about this one, a marriage? How about a friendship or a relationship, a company or a business? Anything at all that you can think of, but the situation is that at some point in time, it becomes devoid of God. God's presence, God's involvement is no longer either welcomed or needed or required. Amen. And you know, sometimes that might not even be a deliberate thing or a conscious thing. If you, do you understand what I'm saying? It might not be a deliberate thing. It might not be a conscious act. And I was thinking of great institutions, or, or should I say, or, or, or and great constitutions that have had their substance eroded that have had their substance given up or given away or compromised on 
or changed to make it more acceptable for modern times. Here's, here's one that I think is good for us to remember. Modern times are not necessarily better times. Modern times are not necessarily better times. <laughs> you just get around your, 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 I get around, you know, my seniors and my grand and my, you know, the good old, you know, but you know what I'm saying? Modern times are not always necessarily better times. So um, we're talking about anything. But what about the building of a nation? And I take note of some things that are happening in the USA right now. Has anyone seen the, any of the media um, where efforts are being made? In fact, I think some of it's happening. It's underway where Christian leaders of note, Franklin Graham, Pastor Jensen Franklin, other people of note, are leading the Christians of their nation to pray and to cry out to God for the healing of their land. And essentially what they're doing is they're standing in the gap and repenting on behalf of their nation. Because God hasn't been welcome and is no longer welcome in their country. Okay, and, and for all of the, what we know is the Bible Belt and, 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 and the, um, the leaning that the current government has, God has not been welcome in that nation for a long time. And I think we could say the same thing. Amen. And so they're praying, and they're praying according to 2 Samuel 24, verse 25. And I, I, the only reason I know the scripture is because it was on a placard that they were holding up behind them. It was on a banner. And it says that David built an altar to the Lord. David, this is, this is in quick context, this is when David sinned against the Lord. He, they, they, he went and he did a census. It took them like nine months to do a census. Anyway, he, he repented and God says, I'm giving you a choice of three punishments. Which one do you want? <laughs> Anyway, he ends up at the threshing floor of Aruhal, uh, the, Je the Jebusite, and um, God says, well, okay, here's, you build an altar for me here. So he, he builds an altar to the Lord there and offers burnt offerings and peace offerings. Thus the Lord was moved by what? For the land. Thus the Lord was moved by prayer for the land, and the plague was held back from Israel. Amen. We're not in a dissimilar position in Scotland. We're really not in a dissimilar position. There is a very strong populist and human, humanistic movement surging around the globe today, particularly in Europe. And I've taken time to think about people groups that have been genuinely oppressed and persecuted by corrupt and tyrannical government, and it's sad. Amen? It's sad to see. There are a lot of people, very, very disadvantaged, hurting people groups. They're, they've gone through stuff for decades, centuries even, and they're still going through stuff. Amen? But it's also sad to say it's not new. It's nothing new. That's what the Word says. I love God's Word. It says there's nothing new underneath the sun. There's nothing new. It just keeps coming around again. But we are now living in a very post-Christian society. All around the world, some are at a more advanced state than others. 
And um, I have... I have one, only one thing to offer into that. I'm sure you could all say, well, I'll tell you why we're living in a post-Christian society. I'll tell you why. Here's what I think. Well, I want to just offer one thing. I think that the connectedness of the common people, now I'm not disrespecting common people because I'm a common, I'm a, I'm, we are a people. We are a people. We are a common people. We are, we are, so, but the common people, the connectedness is beginning to produce a clear evidence of the joined-up thinking and unity that the internet has not only enabled but accelerated. So now we're, we're all kind of disconnected and we are now very connected. We're super connected. And you have all this joined-up thinking. You have all this powerful influence out there. And so when I talk about the common people, perhaps what I'm really trying to say is, and I hope it comes across the right way, is that there's a wide path and a narrow path. And that it's, uh, we're, we're in times where the vast majority of people will find it easier to be on the wide path. And uh, sadly, um, as, uh, as, as in Christianity, the word talks about be, becoming the, the, the great apostasy, the falling away. Well, I don't think it's so much a falling away as a rejection of God saying, no, we don't, we don't need you. We don't need your word. We don't need your wisdom. We don't need any of that. And so we have the, we have the World Wide Web, which is a huge playground for evil. And we can all say, well, yeah, sure, but we can harness the, that for the gospel we can use it for the advancement of medicine. We can use it for the alleviation of suffering of people. And I do agree, there's a lot of good that can be done with us being interconnected, connected together. But I fear that the scales are tipping or, or have already tipped greatly in the wrong direction when it comes to the connectedness that we're all a part of. And every day seems to bring some more news that God and his ways are no longer welcome and are in fact being outlawed. And I read this week that yet another country wants to make it illegal to even quote from the Bible. So, and that, that list is growing, amen. Gee whiz, Pastor David, we thought we were all gonna leave church today really encouraged. Well, you are by the end of this, <laughs> you will. So this is the, the blade, the balm, and the bandage. You know, it's let, let, the word, let, let the word minister to you. I want to read this quickly from, from uh, we might not have this, but the Berean Study Bible. And I want to read that short passage about Babel in Genesis 11. In verse 1 it says, Now the whole world had one language and a common form of speech. All right. And as people journeyed eastward, they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they settled there. And they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. So they used brick instead of stone, and they used tar instead of mortar. Come, they said, let us build for ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens that we may make a name for ourselves and not be scattered over the face of all the earth. 
Then the Lord came down to see the city and the tower that the sons of men were building. God came down to see what was going on. And the Lord said, if they have begun to do this as one people speaking the same language, then nothing they devise will be beyond them. They can do, if they put their mind to it and they're all speaking the same language, they can do anything that they, they, they can imagine. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so that they will not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them from there over the face of all the earth and they stopped building the city. That is why it is called Babel or Babel or whatever. You say tomato, I say tomato. That is why it is called Babel. For there the Lord confused the language of the whole world. And from that place, the Lord scattered them over the face of all the earth. So, you know, this is, this is one story that is it's one of those very foundational stories in the Old Testament. Um, even when we were young, I remember learning about the Tower of Babel. And so it's a very significant story to us. You know, and so God comes down and he walks amongst them and he sees what they're trying to do and he curses their efforts by mixing up or confusing their languages and then they're scattered to the ends of the earth, okay? So why, why, why did they scatter? Why did they scatter? They were scattered because they could no longer communicate. Could no longer, they were no longer speaking the same language. And if you can't communicate effectively, you can't agree or you'll struggle to reach agreement. Would I be right in saying that? Communication is, is essential for gaining agreement. Now, we've all heard God's word concerning agreement, Matthew 18, 19. Yeah, we all know that one well. It says, again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth, if me and Linda, Eleanor and Dion, Jim and Francis, whoever, if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, anything, anything, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Amen. So we know, what the, we know what, the, what the word says about unity, about um, agreement and unity because, you know, the word also says the sun shines on the, the, the righteous and the unrighteous. You know, these, these are powerful principles that are used by believers and non-believers alike. The, the, the power of effective co communication brings people into agreement so that they can achieve amazing things. Amos 3.3 says that how can two people walk together unless they agree on the direction that they're going to go in, you know? Thankfully, Linda and I are pulling in the same direction most of the time. Most of the time, we're pulling in the right direct, in the same direction. Amen. 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 Because, because we want to last. And we want harmony and peace <laughs> in our life. But why was God so concerned about these people anyway? They were all in agreement and they were all in unity. They were all moving in the same direction. They were all fully occupied. They weren't getting up to, they weren't, you know, uh, doing heinous things. They were building a city. They were occupied in building this city so everything was good, right? Obviously, it wasn't good. Not all was well, obviously not. And verse four is pretty key. So we're going back to verse four. 
Come, they said, let us build for ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens that we may make a name for ourselves and not, or some translations say, lest we be scattered all over the earth. It tells us that an invitation went out. Come, let's join with one another and we will build a city whose top reaches the heavens. I want to emphasize that statement. Let us make a name for ourselves. Us. If you read through that passage, I think you'll see the word us there used multiple times. It's all about them. And so an appeal was made to other people, and this appeal revolved around power, recognition. Who wouldn't be attracted to that? You know, you're offered a powerful position where you'll be affirmed and recognized. Wow, this sounds pretty attractive, you know. It ticks the boxes for what humans seem to long for. Recognition. Identity, power. What about this one? Glory. Yeah. Riches and security. Yeah. All of these things that the human heart tends to go after. Well, Matthew eleven twenty eight doesn't see it that way. And it offers the answer that we truly need. So these people are saying, come join us, come and follow me. But Matthew eleven twenty eight says, no, Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens and I will give you rest. So there's almost like, oh, well, I can see immediately there's a, there's a dynamic struggle for, for me, you know. One pulling this way and one pulling, come, come. And Jesus is saying, no, come, follow me. I want to say to you all this morning, please, before accepting any appeal or invitation to come to go and join with the us, come and join with us. I think there's one story in, in, the, in the word, and uh, maybe someone will remind me that someone is appealed to or invited, come and join with us and we'll lay in wait for this guy to come past and we'll pounce on him. Francis, I don't know where that is or who that was, but um, please tell me afterwards because it just sticks in my head. You know, in, in, you're enticed into going to do ultimately what's not going to be very good. Before you respond to any appeal, stop and pray and test, test the situation or else it could become the source of prolonged agony and distress in your life. And I can tell you, I have walked that road. I have walked that road. I have, I have went to join the us and paid the price severely for years, not a few days. When, when, when God said to David, yeah, 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 the whole census thing, choose your punishment. Three years, um, it was periods of time, and one was three days. It was a plague for three days or famine for three years, and there was another one. David picked the short, short one, three days. Three days of, no, 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 three days of plague. And 70,000 people died in three days. 
Three days is nothing compared to 10 years of your life struggling with a bad decision that you've made. Why? Was God made welcome in your decision making? Was God made welcome in anything at all you were thinking of? Instead of looking to make a name for ourselves the way these um, Babel, what would you, what's the plural for, well, Babylonians, I suppose, it became because that was the region that it was in. The word says, boast on Jesus instead. Yeah, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Um, let's, let's just go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Okay, we'll just go from 26. Remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise in the world's eyes and few of you were powerful or wealthy when, when God called you. Instead, God chose things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and he used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all. What is of no value to the world is valuable to God, including people, because people get binned all the time. People get binned. And he, and he used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. As a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. God has united you, that's you and me, with Christ Jesus. For our benefit, God made him to be wisdom itself. Christ made us right with God. He made us pure and holy, and he freed us from sin. Therefore, as the scriptures say, if you want to boast, boast only about the Lord. Amen. Amen. You know, in any, in any marriage, in any merger, and I want to I say right now that God is doing something in, in the land. God, and, 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 and mergers are happening in the Christian world. They can either be of God or not. There is actually no middle, there is no in-between. It's either God's will or it's not God's will. So in any marriage, in any merger, or any coming together of two or more entities, somewhere deep inside lies the potential or the propensity for evil to rise up to the surface because it's an old nature, right? And to threaten that relationship, to threaten the union, or to threaten the organization. And as Christians, we need to know this. If God is not made welcome into these spheres of life, all right, all spheres of life, if we are not united with him in Jesus, in Christ, then sooner or later, failure will occur. And we found that it can be catastrophic failure. Breakdown will happen, and the very thing that has been exalted to prominence will be ineffective or defective. Whenever we begin to exalt something to prominence, whenever we want to make it just so, the, the, 
well, the word says there, pride comes before a fall is one quick example. You know, that, 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 that pride to say that I did that. I did that. The very thing that's been created, like the church, let's just say the church, the very thing that's been created or put in place for our good is good for nothing if we don't keep God at the very center of it. So, yeah, no, this is a good thing. This is a great thing. This is a great thing. We're building a city here, and it's, it's going to reach heaven. And, and, and well, aren't we doing the great thing? We're all talking the same. We're all yada yada the same language, and we're all doing the same thing. But it's good for nothing if there's no Jehovah. There's no, if there's no El Shaddai at, at the center of it, it's good for nothing. And this is why... Satan is a master counterfeit artist because he can make, thing, he can make things that look good or things that uh, are lies appear like they're the truth, which is why we're so easily deceived and why that in the days we walk into, we have to more than ever be so aware of what's going on. And I want to show you a wee image right now if Seb's got that, a little image I've got. Oh, here we go. Right. I used to, in my, I still do like to sit down and get my Far Side comics out, and and just laugh, belly laugh. Uh, anyone, if you've ever seen the Gary Larson comics, it's animals usually, cows and dogs and stuff, and it's just so amazing. And so, here's I don't know what that says to you in light of what we're saying, but there's the lookout post that's supposed to be looking out for the forest fires. <laughs> <laughs> There's usually a guy up there. Maybe, maybe his Bunsen, his, 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 his gas burner went or whatever. So there you go. Good for nothing. If, it, if, if what was built up to do, this is its great purpose, if it itself burns down or if it itself is destroyed. Amen. So thank you. Only with God in our lives, in our, married, in our families, in our marriages, in our jobs, can we hope to make it. Our relationships take a pounding. Whose relationships have, who's taken a pounding during lockdown just relationally with someone or with people? These days, only the strong ones survive. The ones that are built on God's ways and that have welcomed God's truths into their midst. Only those relationships will truly survive. God has people for our lives and some will speak truth into our lives that will be difficult to take. But I've, I've learned that, you know, I think, oh, you're exaggerating. You're exaggerating. Really? Is it that bad? Am I that bad? You know, there's a criticism coming. But wisdom would say there's normally a grain of truth somewhere in what's coming your way. Think about it and, and, and take something from it. So a huge part of all of this is communication. And this is what God did. He confused their languages and brought that all to nothing because it was headed in the wrong direction. And so, 
the inability to communicate in a pure way. Who knows, there's, there's a way to communicate in a pure way with pure motives, and there's a way to communicate in which you want to, uh, how can I put it, a, get what you want. You know, maneuver things for your own advantage. And this inability to communicate in a pure way is the curse which leads to a lot of our mistakes. It leads to the conflicts we have. It leads to the misunderstandings that we, that we have and that we stumble, stumble on and we struggle with. Because we, we just didn't say or do exactly what was necessary for the other person to correctly understand our heart. Amen? God wasn't welcomed into the process. Every relationship, every organization, the church has flaws. Our business has flaws. Our relation, every, every, there are flaws everywhere. Amen? But we need to lead. If you're a leader, follow if you're a follower. Participate if you're a participator. And engage and manage well and always keep an eye on these things arising, these things that can disturb things, poor communication, so that we can deal with them, especially for us. We have to be constantly vigilant as the church that we do not exclude God or say it's time to leave the room. It's, it's you know, so it's, we've got to remember that because if we as human beings have an old nature, who has an old nature? Yeah, we all have an old nature. Well, if human beings can have old nat natures, then surely um, organizations made up of human beings can have old natures too. Uh -huh. yeah. This is why, this is why tr um, dogma, tradition, and all of these things kill the spirit of life. It's because, it's because it's a collection of people with old nature that transfers. Now the organization has an old nature too. Amen? It's part of our Christian walk to work that old nature out by being devoted to God and his ways, by worshiping the Lord with all of our heart. That's paramount to us. It's like the message from a few weeks ago about going walking out of the shallows and going deeper. You know, God... God usually uh, takes us through seas, not around them, you know. To work that old nature out of our lives, we have to go deeper, not walk back to the shallows or try and go around the, the you know, the sea or the whatever. There's only one way, and that's come deeper. Come to me, all you're weary and, who, and heavily laden, and I will give you rest. Well, where do I have to come? Well, you have to walk straight through there. Oh, but that's a, that's a sea, it's fine. I'll, I'll make a way for you. You won't drown in it. You won't drown in it. In fact, you can walk right over the seabed if you like. Do you trust me? And the Old Testament, from where this story about Babel comes, is in a large part God's people dealing with their old nature because they wanted to replace God with the things that brought them self-satisfaction and identity. 
I think they were having an identity crisis. <laughs> I, like, we've all had an identity crisis from time to time. We all have an identity. Who am I? Why am I here? What's my purpose? Am I any good to anybody? Does my wife even love me? <laughs> you all have these things, you know. They'd fallen for the counterfeits. God's chosen people, his beautiful people, had fallen for the counterfeits that had been fed to them by the various captors that had taken them in, but for a few who knew their God. Amen? Those that knew their God, and well, they welcomed God into every situation. Isn't it sad that sometimes you do not know that you are chosen by God? They, this whole nation forgot that they, were that they were chosen. And when God chooses you, it's for keeps. I love that. It's for keeps. You know, it's like when you, know, when you were swapping marbles in the school playground, I never used to forget it, when you used to get a puri goon. A puri goon. You, that, that was the ultimate, a puri goon. And it's like, okay, I'll... You know, we'll, you know, oh, so I get to keep that. Yeah, and you'd always want to make sure you'd say to, your, say to the boy, for keeps. Yeah, for keeps, 100% for keeps. So that means you cannot take it back. I, I get to keep this for keeps. Yeah, for keeps. When God chooses you, he chooses you for keeps. He chooses you for keeps. So what was missing in the story of Babel? What was missing was God's name. It was absent from the story. It was nowhere to be seen. He wasn't consulted. He was insulted. He wasn't asked for his thoughts. There was nothing at all put in place to make God welcome. God was utterly rejected. There wasn't, we didn't, they didn't even prepare a habitation or an altar or a temple or a place where the people could come and where God's presence could be. They did none of that. God was completely um, un, well, he wasn't even invited in the first place, so he couldn't be uninvited, but he was, he was persona non grata. You're not welcome here. And I want to finish this message today with Psalm chapter 2, verse 1 to 3. And it says there in Psalm chapter 2, verse 1 to 3, why are the nations so angry? Why do they waste their time with futile plans? The kings of the earth prepare for battle. The rulers plot together against who? Against the Lord. And against his anointed one. I want to say that you're an anointed one this morning. You're anointed. You're anointed. I always, I always amazed me when, and I heard when, when I heard the first um, guest speaker come here and tell me that I was a saint. I said, you've got to be kidding me. There ain't no way. There's, it, no. He says, no, you're a saint. It's the same time, the first time you, you heard that you're holy. You know, I, I've had people recently say to me, if I go into a church and dip my hands in the holy water, there ain't nothing holy anymore. You know? But but that's the truth. The truth is that we are kings and priests. We're kings and priests. We're, we're, we're made to be above and not beneath. We're made to, we're made to soar. 
We're not made to, to, we're not made to grovel, we're made to soar. And sure, the best place to get to is to get on your knees and go deeper with the Lord. But then he takes you from that kneeling position. You assume it in your heart, but he takes you and then he lets you soar, this is, which is amazing. Praise the Lord. And finally, verse 3 says, let us break their chains, they cry, and free ourselves from slavery to God. The reason why people do not make God welcome anywhere is because they think that they are enslaved to um, some megalomaniac God. They, They have a completely wrong idea of who God is. I personally want to be in bondage to God. I want to be a slave to his will. And he says that we're no longer slaves but in my heart of hearts, I want to be connected to him in that way because I know that I've got a good father and I know that I have a good master and I want to have his seal on our life. I want his seal to be on every one of you. I want his seal to be on this church and this work in Ayrshire. I want his seal to be on the nation of Scotland. And that is why we must make God welcome. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. That's the word for today. And um, uh, I'm I'm going to glide over our tithes and offerings this morning. Are you all okay for time? few minutes. Praise God. We don't have many young, young people except we've got Alistair and Skye, but we've just a, a few minutes. I want, before we take up our offering, just to uh, a few little announcements. Um, we have our offering baskets at the front and the rear of the church. There was one there. <laughs> so, and so when, when you leave, you can um, leave your offering behind when you go. Just to remind people, um, register to come to church on a Sunday. But if something happens and you can't, don't not come. You see, we've still got some spaces today. Still come to church. The, the worst that can happen is we'll, we'll make you unwelcome. <laughs> not welcome here today. No space. So but come to church. Praise God. And... Um, Thank you for cooperating with everything that we're doing in the building. We appreciate that. Amen. Well, as we take up our tithes and offerings, and we'll not take them up, but you leave them when you leave, I just want to um, say that God is, the word says that God is the, he's the owner of, a, of the cattle on a thousand hills. And I used to drive, I used to work in Zululand, and it's a rolling hill country. And wherever you drive, you see cattle and, and coos everywhere. And isn't it amazing that God is the all-sufficient one? He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. It gives me the impression that there's nothing that he doesn't, you know, it's, that's, that's not in his possession. Amen? And so in Philippians 4.19, it says that our God will supply all of our needs according to, the, to his riches and glory in 
Christ Jesus. Amen? And so whenever we put our trust and our faith in him as the owner of all the cattle on a thousand hills, we know that he has the resources there wherever, wherever they are to get to us if we need them. We've always lived that way. And so, you know, we just want to um, be able to um, be in a position at all times to be able to bless someone else. And we've always just been of the mindset, Linda and I, that it's not just a case of having enough for us, but would we ever have enough or do we have enough to go beyond our own needs? And that is living the blessed life, is when you have more than enough, not for the sake, not because we hoard anything, no. We don't hoard anything. But that what we have, we can eventually give it away or give it to someone or bless someone with it. Amen? And so, um, you know, because some people don't have the same... We all have different needs as well. But he will meet every need, whatever that is. So you're not excluded. So if you're in this place this morning and, well, you know, I have different needs to you, Pastor David, so, you know, but God will meet all of our needs, whatever that is. And if that's in your health, in your body, if that's, you know, because of debt, because of jobless situation, because of the virus, and you know how that's affected things, God will supply all of our needs. Just place your trust in him. Amen. Thanks for listening. Remember to visit our website, www.bridge-church.com and connect with us via Facebook and Twitter.